If you're a leader or an aspiring leader in the business of lifelong learning, you're in the right place. I'm Salisa Steele. And I'm Jeff Cobb. And this is the Leading Learning Podcast. Hello and welcome to episode 88 of the Leading Learning Podcast. This time around, we're going to tackle the issue of curation. Specifically, we're going to talk about what it is and why we think it is an important concept for learning businesses. We'll also explore how to be an effective curator. Before we get to that discussion, though, we want to take a moment to thank Castle, the podcast sponsor for the second quarter of 2017. Castle is an accomplished full services certification and licensure testing company that also offers its clients a variety of learning solutions capabilities. With an expert team of testing and instructional design professionals and a 30-year history of excellence in its field, Castle understands what it takes to develop and deliver quality learning and certification programs. To find out more about Castle's custom learning solutions, go to leadinglearning.com slash Castle. For the resource for this episode, we want to once again highlight our leading learning newsletter, at least partly because it's so tightly tied to our own efforts at curation, and hopefully that will become clear throughout the course of this episode. We use the newsletter as a way to share high-value resources that we come across each month, and then we package those up into a brief email that you can read and digest quickly. If the Leading Learning Podcast is audio intelligence for learning leaders, and we sincerely believe it is, the Leading Learning Newsletter is inbox intelligence for learning leaders. You can get the details and sign up by going to leadinglearning.com slash newsletter. So Jeff, there's the question of uh, where do we start with this topic of curation? And um, you know, maybe we could just sit for a few moments and listen to the buzz. <laughs> That's right. The, the buzz you know, really started a few years ago. People have been talking about curation for you know, quite some time. Um, it's not quite as deafening a buzz as it used to be, but it's definitely still out there. And our sense is that curation really still has not been embraced in an intentional and disciplined way by most learning businesses. Now, you know, the basic idea behind curators and content curation is that there's just such a flood of new content pouring through the internet pipes every day, you know, that the being aware of all of it as an individual and sorting it out in a meaningful way as an individual is it just simply isn't possible. And so then this is where curators enter, right? And they, they help us deal with information overload. And so that leads to the question, of course, uh, what is a curator? And um, I'm going to be a dictionary geek, and uh, Merriam-Webster talks about a curator being one who has the care and superintendence of something. And I really like that word care, because I think it implies to me that uh, the organization or the individual that's acting as curator shouldn't be a curator about just anything. It really needs to be something that they care about, something that they're invested in. And then I also like that word, you know, superintendence, because that really points to um, the leadership potential of curation, that, that curation is directive and formative, and it's not just, just passive and, and received. So curators are, are the people and organizations that do the hard work of sifting through all that content that you were talking about, Jeff, and they do that in a particular topic area, and they pull out the things that make the most sense and are most relevant for, for, the, for their audience. And so curation involves a lot more than finding and regurgitating links. And, and so the best curators are skilled at things like 
locating and evaluating content, valuable content. Um, They're skilled at organizing and connecting content so that it is as accessible as possible. They're skilled at creating and repurposing content so that they're adding to the underlying value. They're good at capitalizing on on social media to build connections and context for for the, the, the topics that they're looking at. They're good at building trusted relationships with learners and other curators and they're also really good at designing learning experiences. And, and by this, um, you know, we're thinking much broader than traditional approaches to, to learning. And so if you're doing all of those things, I mean, obviously, that's a, that's a fairly tall order. That's not just, you know, let me collect a bunch of links and tweet them out or, you know, send them in a newsletter or whatever the case might be. It's being truly thoughtful about it. So, I mean, I think the bottom line is that a curator is an individual or an organization that excels at helping others really make sense. And this part is, is really important. This personal organization is strategic in pursuing curation. I think everything you just talked about there, Salisa, you know, suggests strategy. I mean, really, you can't help a whole lot with sense-making. If, if you aren't strategic, you would just be adding to the noise. And so what are some examples of curation? What are some things that can, you know, maybe help make this a, a little more concrete in listeners' minds? Um, and I mean, really, there are, there are many. Uh, the ways to go about curation are as varied as there are tools and organizations and individuals who are going to go about doing it. You know, in some cases, it's really going to be core to the the business model, the the presence of an organization. Um, For example, uh, you know, there's a a group out there called Able Thrive that you can find at abelthrive.com. And they describe themselves as a one-stop platform for people with disabilities and their families to access curated and customized resources from around the world. And so that's really what they're all about. I mean, that's their web presence. That's what they do basically is curate content and, and put it out there. But then, you know, they're also individual and organizations who make it uh, a, a smaller part, just a, a part of the services that they're providing out to the community they're, they're serving. That's right. And in, in that category, I can think, uh, for example, of, of David Kelly um, at davidkelly.me. He's got curated back channels. So when he goes to a conference, he'll curate some of those resources that are available there. He sees this as a service because a lot of folks can't necessarily go to more than one or maybe two um, uh, place-based conferences a, a year. So that's a service that he's providing by curating some of that content that's available, even if you aren't there at that event. And of course, as we already mentioned in the introduction, I mean, this really is what we do with our monthly newsletter. We send out what we uh characterized as a group of leading links where we're tracking different topical areas that we know are relevant to our readers, to our listeners, and just finding some some very good, high-value focused content in areas like leadership, marketing, learning, technology, and, and putting those out you know, month over month. And we collect a lot of, of different resources, links, and sift through them to come up with just a small set that we send out. I mean, we'll review hundreds before we come up with the five that actually go out in that newsletter. So that's you know a small effort at curation on our part. You know, so it can take the form of a newsletter. It can take the form of a whole website. Um, there are you know podcasts that do this. Uh, I've mentioned before the Marketing Over Coffee podcast that 
that I listen to, uh, you know, the two guys that do that are essentially curating content week in and week out and sort of putting it out uh, in podcast form. So a lot of different forms that this can take, and we'll, we'll provide links to the examples that we've already mentioned and also some other examples in the show notes for this episode, which you can, of course, get by going to leadinglearning.com slash episode 88. So to go along with those examples that hopefully put some flesh on, on the bones of this idea of, of what a curator is, let's also talk about the opportunities. And, and from where we sit, we think that learning business professionals um, can garner a number of opportunities from curation. And the first opportunity is to use curation to help give you an edge in your own professional and personal learning. So this may mean that you're focusing on developing your own knowledge in certain skills. So maybe the domain areas of the learning business maturity model. So, you know, leadership and marketing and and your portfolio and, and those aspects. It might also mean that you're building knowledge and skills and finding new areas of need in the field or industry that your organization serves. But in any of these cases, what you're really trying to do is build your own um, learning, enhance your own learning, and make sure that you're uh, as well-informed and uh, aware of emerging issues and topics uh, in the, the topic areas that you are focused on, that you work in. And that's really using curation as a, an approach uh, to your own personal knowledge management, really. So you're not necessarily taking on the mantle of being the, the curator for everybody you're serving, but you're using the tools, you're using the process, as you said, you know, to stay on top of your own professional or personal learning. Another opportunity is to use that curation process as a way to stay on top of you know key issues and trends in the field or industry you serve. And you know this can be especially helpful as is often the case um, when you've got an education staff that doesn't really have significant subject matter itself in the areas for which it's in charge of providing learning opportunities. You know, so you may work for a trade or professional association or other type of organization. You're in charge of educating people about different topical areas, skills, and knowledge. You may be reliant mainly upon subject matter experts, you know, to deliver that content, but it is extremely helpful in almost all cases to have as much working knowledge as you possibly can of, you know, the, the types of skills and knowledge that you're trying to help educate people about. So curation can be a great tool, a great process for helping you stay on top of those key issues and trends in in whatever field you're serving. And then a third opportunity, and it's the the last one that we'll mention, is that you can become a, a curator, not just for your own personal purposes, but for the audience you serve. So this is kind of going from being a consumer of curated content to being uh, the one that um, puts together that curated content. And, and learning businesses can definitely create significant value through being curators. Um, as Jeff's mentioned, curation is how we come up with our, our monthly leading learning newsletter. And and we'll mention too that curation can be an ongoing effort, and you know, for us with our newsletter, that's happening monthly. But it could also be focused around a specific event, like your annual meeting. So you might really want to curate uh, a handful of topics, you know, in the lead up to during your annual uh, meeting, and maybe for you know a couple weeks afterwards. So it doesn't have to be a full time commitment out of the gate. It can be, certainly be something that you experiment with and 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 peg to a particular event. So we could probably, you know, characterize those uh, approaches as, uh, on the one hand, 
personal curation. So you're using the tools and the processes to, you know, find other curators, find good content sources, curate that information for your own personal learning um, and for learning about your field and industry. And then as you were saying, Salisa, then, you know, becoming that more public curator, whether it's for the general public or whether it's for your particular uh, organization, your membership, your customer base, whatever it is. But in either one of those cases, you know, you've got to be able to find good sources for the material that you're going to curate. And, and you've got to have a, a tool set to, to work with to help with the curation. And so, you know, from the standpoint of, of finding sources, you know, a lot of times they're they're right in front of us, uh, and it's a matter of just paying attention. So, you know, paying attention to who is really providing the most interesting content. You know, for any any newsletters you subscribe to, um, any blogs that you read. Uh, you know, when you know the thought leaders that are uh, and experts that are out in your particular field, looking at the content that they're putting out. And if they have a blog, you want to subscribe to it. If they have a Twitter feed, uh, you want to subscribe to that. So, you know, you want to follow the people that are putting out uh, good source knowledge. Some of those people are probably going to be curators themselves. They're pulling together knowledge from different sources. Some of them may be more focused on a, just a particular area within your field or industry that's important. But identifying those people and, uh, and then finding ways to follow them through their blogs, through Twitter, through other forms of social media, and, and getting that content. Another couple ideas for uh, where you can get ideas for who to follow, who to subscribe to, you know, would be to think about the speakers at conferences that you attend, or even speakers at conferences that you aren't able to attend. Um, And then, of course, books or magazines uh, that you're reading. Look at the authors for those and look at who's um, speaking about, who's writing about those topics that you care about. And then, of course, there's always Google as well as Twitter, where you could search on topics that you care about the most, um, and then you can find blogs and videos and tweets. You can see which ones capture your interest, and those would be the ones that you subscribe to or, or follow. And so we're suggesting a lot of uh, subscribing and, and following here. So you definitely want some tools to help you with that process. Otherwise, you know, you'll end up with a, a bunch of stuff in your inbox or we'll have to, I guess, just put together links in a spreadsheet or something like that. And you may need to do a little bit of those things. But we really recommend using a tool like Feedly for example, for subscribing to blogs or really anything that has an RSS feed, you know, and that's the the feed that a a website, a a web-based property will have that you can then subscribe to it and you'll automatically get anything that comes from that source. And what Feedly does is it helps you put together a dashboard with everything you're subscribed to and you can tag the, the different items that you're subscribed to, you know, so for the different different topical areas that they belong to, you can put them into categories, you can organize them. And we've actually got a, a brief video we put together around this that we'll link to in the show notes, but it's just a, a really powerful way to pull together content from the, the, the different sources that you're taking advantage of for curation. Another tool that we make use of that we recommend is Hootsuite, um, which is great for managing Twitter in particular, but also other social media channels. And you can easily kind of track all the different feeds. And and again, you can categorize them, uh, 
easily track hashtags. You can create a list of people or hashtags that you're going to follow. So Hootsuite is a great tool. Um, I also find when I'm curating that I'll often save things to a, a read it later sort of application like Instapaper. And we'll link to all of these in, in the show notes, Hootsuite, Feedly, Instapaper. These are all great tools for being able to pull stuff together. And then there are increasingly a number of platforms that are really meant to you know help you with your cura- curation efforts. Uh, a couple of examples are Scoopit, which is just, you know, scoop.it. And another one is called Paperly, P-A-P-E-R dot L-I. And these are both platforms that allow you to go out and again, kind of like Feedly, um, find content and, and aggregate it into a, a single dashboard and then be able to publish it out uh, is basically a kind of... Uh, web-based paper for people to to read. So, you know, all of these are tools that you have for being able to, you know, find and uh, aggregate data together, organize it, be able to search it. Um, and then some of them like Scoopit and Paperly will also give you good tools for publishing it out to the world. But of course, you know, there are many ways to publish. We already referenced, you know, our newsletter, we just use email to, to send links out, podcast, Twitter, any of your social media channels. There are just a, a variety of different ways that you can share curated content once you've managed to kind of pull it together and boil it down and find the real value that, that you want to be able to share with the audience that you're serving. So we've just spent a little time talking about sources and um, some tools to use for curation. So let's talk a little bit about process too. And when you first start out, you may find out that you're subscribing to a lot of stuff, and and that's okay. Um, just go into this with the idea that you can pare it down and refine over time until you really get to that set of curated content that is most consistently valuable to you. You know, you can keep in mind that unsubscribe and unfollow are always options, and in fact, we think they're a, an important, essential part of the process. And I'd say, too, just as you should be dropping subscriptions and unfollowing um, at different points, you'll likely also be adding new subscriptions and follows as new topics come under your curation umbrella. And as your and your audience's understanding of a topic shifts and matures, and so you're going to need new content to, to feed it appropriately. Yeah, I find that it's sort of a, a virtuous cycle, I guess, you know, as you're getting rid of content, you're finding new content, you are just starting to kind of focus in more and more over time and really get to the stuff that, that's most valuable. Though, you know, one additional word of advice that we would put along with that is, you know, to to pay attention to who you're following and, and what those resources are. And don't just pick sources or other curators, you know, who seem to just always be towing the same old line, basically, you know, and writing about things that you already know and believe in. You want to find at least some who are, you know, willing to mix it up and, and take some risk. Um, some people who don't necessarily share your opinions about things can certainly be important. You just, you don't want to end up in an echo chamber, basically, uh, as part of your curation efforts where you're really just hearing the same things again and again. So, you know, the bottom line is you gotta you gotta figure out what works for you. This is a process. It takes a while. You can't just go out and you know set up a Feedly account or set up a Scoopit account, put a few links in, and and think you know that you've kind of got the the whole curation thing nailed. Uh, personally, you know, I like to accumulate stuff over time. Um, as we mentioned earlier, when we're doing our newsletter, we'll accumulate stuff for a month and then sift through it and pluck out you know what we feel are, are the real gems. And as you do that again and again 
over time, you'll start to figure out what really works for you. We had a, an interesting speaker at um, our leading learning symposium a couple of years ago, Rohit Bargava, and you know he does something similar with his uh, annual trends report. I mean, he's a he's a big curator. That's the the core of his process is curation. We actually did a podcast episode with him on that, and we'll make sure to to link to it. But I mean, he accumulates for a year before he really starts sifting things. And, you know, and he, I'm sure uses a variety of digital tools, but he's also a fan of just collecting physical clippings and putting them into folders. And I can remember him describing, uh, I think he sort of called it the Thanksgiving dinner table activity where he kind of throws everything out on the, the table and starts sifting through and sorting and coming up with his curation for a whole year that's going to be the basis for his trends uh, book. So he's got a, an interesting model that uh, folks might want to tune into. So basically, there's no right process. Um, you know, Jeff, to share a little bit about what we use for our newsletter, I talked a little bit about what Rohit Bhargavi uses, but what you need to do is take time to figure out um, what works best for you so that you can find and extract value. And, um, you know, if it's were just as easy as, as sending out any interesting link uh, that you find, then, then there wouldn't be a lot of value in curation. So, you know, we would say that, you know, fair warning, if you're going to get into the curation game, be expected to spend some time getting it right and getting used to it, getting the tools in place, the sources in place, and then, of course, figuring out how to add that value to what you're sharing. Definitely. I mean, it's it's as much an art uh, as it is a science, probably more an art than a science uh, over time, and you have to build up the, the skills with it. And, you know, related to that, uh, we would love to hear from listeners about what you're doing with curation right now. Do you have a process? Do you have particular tools that you like? We'd, we'd love to hear from you. More importantly, we'd love for you to, to share with other listeners so we can all benefit from each other's experiences. And you can always comment uh, and, and share uh, around any Leading Learning episode just by going to the show notes and the, there's going to be a comment area there. In this case, you would just go to leadinglearning.com slash episode 88. And, and we'd love to hear from you there about what you're doing with curation. So as we're exiting this uh, episode, we do also want to say thanks to the, the people who helped make it happen, and that is Castle, a full-service certification and licensure testing company that also offers its clients a variety of learning solutions capabilities. And you can find out more about Castle's custom learning solutions by going to leadinglearning.com slash castle. You can get show notes for this episode by going to leadinglearning.com slash episode 88. That's the link that Jeff just mentioned where you can also share what you're doing with curation, whether as a consumer or as a creator. Um, and while you're there, um, you will see various options for subscribing to the podcast. And if you're getting value out of this, we would be truly grateful if you would subscribe. And as always, we'd be grateful if you'd take just a minute to give us a rating on iTunes. You can just go to leadinglearning.com slash iTunes. We'd really appreciate it. It helps us know that you value the podcast, but also related back to this whole topic of curation, it helps people find this content if others have actually commented on it in iTunes. It's much more likely to come up in the search engine so that people can follow us going forward. We also hope you'll consider telling others about the podcast. You can send out a tweet by going to leadinglearning.com slash share, or if tweeting isn't your thing, you can pick another social network of preference and spread the word that way. So thanks again, and we'll see you next time on the Leading Learning Podcast. Podcast.